0: Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart Audio Podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Hey, good morning, friends. John Eldridge here. Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. Craig McConnell with us today and a special guest who I'm going to introduce here in just a moment. But I want to start with a story. As I was getting my haircut, I was in the shop and and this guy came in and he kind of had a funny look on his face as he looked at me and then he had to leave and go get some money or something. And then he came back in to pay and and, uh, he took a second look at me and he went, hey, he said, uh, you're John Eldridge, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, oh, I'm so glad to meet you. Um, and so it opened up this conversation and he said, yeah, he said, we're, we're doing wild at heart in our church with a group of guys. And I said to him, that is so fantastic. You know, how's it going? And he was lit up. You could see this guy is glowing and, and, um, he's like, it's going great. And then he pauses and he says, and guess what? We're also doing beautiful outlaw groups in our church. (laughs) I'm like, who, who is this church? Like, what is the story behind this you know, chance encounter. And uh before I could ask him, he said, yeah, he said, Do you know Greg Lindsay? Do you know Discovery Church? And I just smiled and and said, well, as a matter of fact, Larry, yes, we do. Uh, we love what Greg's doing over there on on the east side of Colorado Springs. And it spurred me toward today's podcast because we invited Greg Lindsay to come in and Chat with us as a pastor of uh, of a church here in Colorado Springs, just what they're doing in this message and how this message can work in a church. So, welcome, Greg. Great to have you with us. It's exciting to be here, John. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. Greg, why don't you describe a little bit of your relationship with Greg over the past couple of years?
1: Gosh, I think Greg, and you can correct me, but. Um... Um, was it after a boot camp that you initiated and came to me and just wanted to talk?
2: Yeah, it would have been uh, the fall of two thousand eight, two thousand eight, late fall.
1: Yeah, yeah, just wanted to a come in. Uh, yeah, and actually, you came in thinking that we would meet once. And it was about uh, a series or how to do something or it it was, was a question.
2: It was about this. It was about how do you do wild at heart? How do you do ransomed heart in a church setting? Uh-huh. I mean, it was a message that had changed my life, but I had no idea how you do this in a church.
0: Yeah.
1: And after answering the question and <clears throat> giving you a full outline of how you do this in a church. <laughs> Did
0: you give him the, the three ring binder? Oh, <laughs> at a deep
1: discount. <laughs> I begged for it. He gave me nothing. <laughs> And we've been meeting regularly ever
2: since. Yeah, for over three years. It's been yeah. great. Yeah. And we talk very, very little about how you do Ransom Tartan in a church. And yet, over those conversations and,
0: and through those years, something pretty remarkable has been taking place at Discovery Church, which we want to tell our folks about, um, probably over a couple of podcasts here. But part of why I wanted to start the podcast in this way is... First off, this is our first guest pastor that we've had on the show. Of course, <laughs> we, of course, we have our ransomed heart chaplain, Craig McConnell. Yes. Pastor emeritus. And <laughs> <laughs> Frequently. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, but the spirit of this is I don't know how it got out there. I don't know where this got started, but there's some big buzz out there that Ransomed Heart is anti-church or that John Eldridge is anti-church or that those guys don't believe in church or go to church. and <laughs> It's not true. I don't know how to more emphatically say that. We believe in church. We believe in the body of Christ. We go to church. Um, our staff here, in fact— a number of our staff go to
2: <laughs>
0: Greg Lindsay's yeah, church hey. here, you know, but some of them go to a, an Anglican church and some of our staff go to uh, what might be a little bit more of uh, kind of a hip, you know, kind of uh, seeker-friendly church and, and – um, some of us go to kind of like a, a more traditional Bible church type setting, but we believe in it, gang. Yes. And we just we just invited Greg in today, partly to convey the spirit of this: is we love the people of God, we love mm-hmm. the body of Christ, we want to see churches flourish, we bless church. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think part of what's kind of gotten partnered with that is, is this idea of, well, the Ransom Heart message, you know, that, that can't work in a church. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's somehow hostile to, mm-hmm. you know, a church environment. And, and we just want to say, not true. Right. Again, right. not true. And before we get kind of too deep
2: into how it's working, I just want to say, is this working in your church? Absolutely. It's the most life-changing thing that I've ever been a part of in ministry. And, uh, you know, I had an unconventional path to ministry. I was a trial attorney for 10 years right? before I went to plant a church in North Carolina. So now I've been in ministry about 10 years. I've just—I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, yeah, it's its changing lives all over the place.
0: We believe that, Gabe. Yeah, hey, I mean, it does. I mean, we just want to say, yes, yes, there are beautiful ways that our message can find an expression in the church and, and change people's lives. But— before we get into that, let's just get to know Greg a little bit, and yeah, how'd you get from trial attorney to pastor, and, and what was that
2: all about? Well, it was a, uh, it was a process. You know, I um, was in a great church in Kentucky, grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and the pastor there took a real interest in me as a young man and would just uh, say things like, I could see you in ministry someday, and over the course of several, several years, they asked me to uh, start a men's ministry. This was before Wild at Heart was written. Really? And uh, as a volunteer, I did that and then took over a singles ministry. And that's when I began teaching every single week. And that's when my passion and gifting kind of came together. And God's like, I felt like he was saying, this is what you're going to spend the rest of your life doing. Little did I know it was going to be six years before I would start doing it, hmm. and uh, that was a professionally. Try- you mean yes, yeah. yeah. I had you know I had to wind out of the practice of law. That's not something I had my own law firm at the time, so that that wasn't something you just tomorrow decide I'm done. And uh, so it, it was a process that God led me, and then we went to North Carolina, and my first step into ministry was to plant a church there.
0: Right on. Yeah, oh, that's so good. And then you mentioned boot camp.
2: Well, I was introduced to the the Wild at Heart message. Uh, Actually, a good friend of mine that I was uh, doing singles ministry with in Kentucky, probably within a year of Wild at Heart being written, handed me this book, had inscribed it and said, when I read this, I think of you. And Hmm. so I read Wild at Heart early on. And as I began to read it, I'm like, I don't know why he said he think of me, because the only thing I've ever shot in my life is a squirrel. (laughs) And you missed it. No, I hit it. Oh. Okay. Give me a break, you know. So, I, you know, I, I grew up in Kentucky. was never a big game hunter. And the whole elk hunting thing, you know, starts going. I'm like, man, this is just not me. But there were parts of the book that resonated with me. I thought, good book. Put it on the shelf. I wasn't doing men's ministry at this time. I was doing singles ministry. So Wild at Heart got shelved, you know, another good Christian book that sits on my shelf. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, I'm a pastor of a church. Uh, this is about seven, eight years ago. I'm sitting in my office one day in the afternoon, and I'm just kind of having this conversation with God. And I'm like, God, you know what? I have no clue how to grow people. Mm-hmm. Huh. And yeah. I have friends all across the country in churches of all sizes, some really big churches, some dynamic churches who are doing some great stuff to help people navigate life. And I had the availability was there, access to anything they were doing. But I'm sitting there and we're doing a lot of the same stuff. And I'm going, I don't know how to offer people life. This life to the fullest thing that Jesus offers, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like we're offering that. And beyond that, I don't think I'm experiencing it myself. And so five, six months later, my life just boom collapsed. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the desert. I'm out of ministry and uh, spent four and a half years in the desert. And a friend who was immersed in the Ransomed Heart message came alongside of me. And uh, I I had a counselor. I was seeing a counselor every week as well. But a good friend who just loves this message, lives this message, came alongside and said, man, we got to walk into this. And it was originally walking back into sacred romance first and then back to wild at heart. Wow. And this time when I read it, it was with all new eyes, you know, with a broken heart in the midst of the desert, in the midst of Mm. my brokenness. And Jesus rescued me through this message. Wow. Wow. So the path back to ministry for me through the desert was pretty long, but I was convinced that God was saying, when you do this, we're going to do it differently. And I was convinced that, you know, when the opportunity came, that we were going to grow people, yeah. use this as the primary discipleship growth piece in our church. And basically, that's what we've, we've done.
0: I want to pause for a second and ask Craig a question, because I'm thinking back of your, what, 25 years, 28 years? Yes. Yes, twenty eight. Twenty eight years mm-hmm. in pastoral ministry, you know, mm-hmm. uh in Southern California, and that's how we met. Mm-hmm. You, you were pastoring at one of the churches that I came to. Um, Craig, churches want people to grow for heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. They want to see lives changed. That's mm-hmm. why people get into the ministry. It's not mm-hmm. like they set out to create institutions. What happens? Why You know, Greg's describing a situation where he's saying, I want people to grow. Why doesn't that happen a lot in churches?
1: Well, my experience and observation would be that um, a pastor may start with that as his desire, but he just gets lost in all the other things that being a pastor Mm -hmm. requires of him. You know, staffing a children's ministry, a youth ministry, working with the choir and outreach programs. And he becomes... Getting
0: getting the roof repaired. Yeah. And
1: And his spiritual life withers, Mm -hmm. dies. And with that, his once-upon-a-time passion for people really changing and loving Christ intimately. Uh, When I was on a mega church staff, I mean, our issue was always program, recruitment, People and problems and deep, rich, profound conversations among the staff on are we growing or discipling? It was just assumed by our program and what our offering was doing that people were changing. But we never pushed into it, tested it, Mm. measured it, looked Mm. at it. And that went for the staff as well as our church. That'd be my observation. Mm. You just get caught up and you move from being a pastor to being a CEO And running. Just the
0: pressure of all that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, again, I just want to convey our heart. We're for you guys who are pastors, you gals who are in full-time ministry in the church. We're for you. We recognize it is the most difficult job on the planet. Yeah. Let's just say that. It Hmm. is. And to try and and get back to your first love, get back to the reason that you got into the ministry – You know, we're not hoping that it takes a time in the desert like it did for Greg. But, you know, something shifted in you, Greg, where you said, "Okay, I have found change. I have found life. This message works. Absolutely. It really does. It really does restore lives. I'm a witness to that. Now I want to see it happen in the lives of others. So you come to Colorado and you start this church. And what I'm just so intrigued by is how Wild at Heart and Captivating became kind of, um, I guess,
2: integrated, like central to what you were doing. Describe that. It is central. We do it every year. It lasts from January through May. And people say, what's our next step? That's it for us. So you know, that's why I initially pursued Craig. I actually was shocked that he responded to my letter. And we got together. And I was really frustrated after our first meeting because we met at Starbucks for about an hour and a half. So we sit down, and Craig's like, so tell me your story. So I start telling my story and get to the end. I mean, we're an hour and 20 minutes in, and I'm like, I see that we're starting to wrap up, and I'm like, i got to get this agenda covered. i got to figure out how do you do Ransomed Heart in church. That's the question. That you came with. That I came with. That's the only question. I mean, I love (laughs) Craig. He's awesome, but I need this question answered because I have no clue. I know that I want to offer this, but I don't know practically how you do that. And uh, he's like, not now. He's like, how about same time next week? And my time with Craig has been, you know, 98% about me, my heart, my story for mm-hmm. our three-and-a-half-year journey together and very little about practical realities of how you do Ransom's Heart in a church. But to answer your question, we just said we're going to do this. And so I've been here five months. January of 2009, we said we're going to do Wild at Heart and Captivating. and. I'm going to teach wild at heart. I'd been through it two or three times myself. My first boot camp experience was February 08. God has a sense of humor. I came out to boot camp. We were at Frontier Ranch, and um, I froze to death. You know, I get on a plane in North Carolina, come to Colorado. There's 12 inches of snow. Right. And I'm like, I would never live in Colorado. And so in August, our family moves here. That's how how God God works. And then, you know, then I'm in the same city with you guys and have a friend and and all that. So we just said we're going to do it. And— So we started with 25 men and about 25 women. Uh, Men did their thing early at 5.30 in the morning. They they did
1: Wild at Heart at 5.30 in the morning.
2: 5.30 in the morning. And I said, you know, this will weed them out, yes, but we want guys that are committed. (laughs) This will weed them out. (laughs) But you know what? It it, it really didn't. The, The retention rate was huge. And so we started with about 25 men, 25 women. They did theirs in the evening. They used the captivating video teaching pieces. I taught the guys Wild at Heart. Okay. And our retention rate was huge. But those 50 adults represented about 85% of the adults in the church at the time. Our church was probably 80 or 90 people when I got out here. And I didn't start it. I took over it. It was pretty much a failing church plant that when we got out in August of 08. So we took the lead of the church then. And so right. we started this thing and um, the, the retention rate was great. We took the way of the wild heart and we created this life stages journal is what we call it. And we broke people into groups into small groups of four or five people, and we had them spend four or five weeks at the end sharing their story. And we, and we used the stages from Way of the Wild Heart, uh, so we created a male version and a female version for them to, to start to just unpack their own life and story during mm-hmm. those seasons of life, and then share it with each other. Mm-hmm. And we still do that today. So the logistics of that's a little bit tricky. The guys and the gals are different in that we don't force the guys into small groups too quickly. We stay larger group for a while, the women jump into it second or third week. They're more comfortable with that. Right. But the guys, uh, we, we kind of wade them into that as it goes. But at the end, like we're getting ready to hit May and, and all of our guys that are going through it right now are getting ready to, and they've already started to unpack life, yeah. their stories together. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Greg, what do you see the impact of the results? What, what do you see happening? I mean, you started with this, you're still doing it. What do you see? What's the fruit?
2: Well, like I said, the, the life change, and that, that sounds cliche and, you know, um, churchy and all that. But the reality is, um, it's just a part of our culture. You know, everybody puts their real church on their website, talks about being realness and mm-hmm. authenticity and transparency. And But I'm not bragging, we're not the best church out there. and We're not perfect by any means, but that's our church. I mean, it really, it opens you up to story. And one of the things that my takeaway with, with my time with Craig early on was story, 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 story. That story is so important. Story matters. And honestly, I told our church my story early on, and then I wanted to be done with it. You know, my story has some chapters that aren't so pretty, and so I wanted to shelve my story. And through my relationship with Craig, it's kind of like, no, your story is going to be central. And it became central to our church. And so oh, wow. inviting people into their stories and what that looked like, helping them be aware. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, awareness is a big thing. And then on the flip side of that now, what you deal with when you open this up, it gets messy. It's not the cleanest way to do church. I will, <laughs> I will say that. Because you invite people into their stories, you better be ready to walk into that with them. Yeah. And the beauty of this message, too, is, John, it's really, I'm no counselor, and I tell people that right out of the gate, but I meet with a lot of people, and I feel like I have the ability now to help people because it's provided a context for me. Mm-hmm. The Ransom Heart message has provided a context for me to hear anybody's story and just put it into place. Makes sense it, it. it. just makes so much sense, yeah. and I'm able to offer help. I'm able to offer Jesus, you know? Yeah. But on the backside of this thing now, one of the things that we're seeing is – and people are people. Sometimes it's disappointing. Awareness is not healing, right? And so you get all these people who are aware now, and that can be tricky too.
0: Sure. Yeah.
2: So, Greg, uh, just kind
0: of to help our folks track with us. So you guys incorporated Wild at Heart for Men, Captivating for Women. That's like your discipleship program. Absolutely. It's not an and. Nope. Thrown in to – in addition to the 16 other things that we offer, you know, our new believers class and our welcome to the church class and, you know. Softball league. Our, yeah. <laughs> you guys decided to make, Wild at heart and captivating, your discipleship
2: track for men and women. Absolutely. And you've had a huge portion of your church now. Over 300 adults. By the time we finish this May, over 300 adults in our church will have been through it. Okay. And most of them – multiple times there are guys going through it now this is the fourth time we've offered it there are men going through it for the fourth time right now
0: well this guy that i ran into getting my haircut i mean he was lit up i mean you could just see the excitement the passion and i mean yeah my immediate reaction is hey what church do you go to i want to go there you know because you could see his passion and his gratitude for his church this guy loves church (laughs) You know, And that's not a super frequent encounter nope. <laughs> with Christians. And so I'm like, okay, tell me why. And then he yeah. tells me this. So um, this has got to be a two-parter at least. So yeah. we're going to wrap today's up and just invite you to join us again next week as we talk a little bit more about Ransom Heart and, and how this message can get
2: incorporated into a church.